with the idea of sacrifice. They grew up in Jamaica as children in the 1920s to 1940s, so they went through two world wars, and they felt the immediate impact of that, even though they were, they were um, far removed in the Caribbean. And they lost their father, the sole breadwinner, when they were teenagers. Not necessarily due to the war, but he died from a prostate, um, from prostate cancer, I believe. So they all had to sacrifice their high school education and fend for themselves. My mother's father, my maternal grandfather, died when my mom was 15. And she was really, really good at math. And she wanted to become an accountant and become some high-flying executive and so on and so forth. Um, and so she had to give up. She had to sacrifice on her own dream for that. And thankfully, she had a wonderful talent as a seamstress, as a dressmaker. And she was amazing at that. Many of my, of my mom and my, and my uncle's contemporaries had to sacrifice their lives for their fellow human beings and for their country. And when I was at school, there were many times when my mom sacrificed her own lunch and gave me her last pennies from her purse so that I could have lunch money for school. The whole idea of making sacrifices, great or small, seems more alien, of course, to my generation sometimes and my own children's generation. No one wants to make sacrifices. All a hurry, hurry thing, you know, quick, quick buck, instantaneous entertainment, and so on. But of course, the vast majority of biblical references to sacrifice are in the Old Testament. And this morning, this talk is about the, the wonderful Easter sacrifice 2,000 years ago. In the New Testament, almost all the references are about Jesus' sacrifice. His death is the one perfect and complete sacrifice fulfilling all the Old Testament preparations and predictions. We no longer need to make any sacrifices for our own sins, as what happened in the Old Testament. Yet, the New Testament tells us that there are a few sacrifices that we can make in order to please God. Matthew 28, Martin, verses 1 to 10 in a sense, Joan um, read a little bit about this. But this is about when Jesus was risen. I'll start. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him, that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. 
Verse 6, he is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. If you've been a Christian for a few years and or live in a country like the UK, where Christianity is a major religion, then you know the Easter story pretty well, don't you? Jesus died and, and he rose again, and, and it's wonderful and it's amazing. Of course, Jesus started his journey to his sacrificial death a few hours after his last supper with his disciples. We all know Judas betrays him with a kiss. Jesus is arrested. Peter disowns him. There was a nonsensical, farcical trial. He's mocked and he's beaten publicly. They crucify him. Despite his agony on the cross, he still yet saves one of the two men that were crucified next to him. He dies, and of course, finally, he is buried. And then comes Easter Sunday, one of my favorite days of the year in the Christian calendar. The day when we celebrate Jesus' resurrection on the third day. Similar today, we celebrate the importance and the amazing power of Jesus' sacrificial death. The triumph of life over death. The triumph of good over evil. The fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. And of course, immediately after that, the Great Commission to go make disciples of all nations. Of course, the resurrection of Christ is an amazing, amazing miracle. And it is a centerpiece of the entire four Gospels. Amen? Amen? It is amazing. And we would not be here if it weren't for the resurrection. From that moment onwards, the church was formed as a community of believers in Christ. Without the resurrection, Christ's death and burial would have been in vain. It would have been ineffective and incomplete. So we all know that story. But to really, to really, really understand the power of that Easter Sunday, and to make it real in our lives, we need to return to an infamous night when it all started. And a lot of times I don't necessarily hear a lot of um, talks or sermons on this. But after Jesus finished his last supper and went with three of his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane, in my mind that was where everything all started. Luke chapter 22, Martin, verses 39 to 46, when Jesus was praying on the Mount of Olives. 
Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. And on reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. So he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, and he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed even more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. This was Luke's account of that night. And Matthew's and Mark's Gospels corroborate this and added um, to the fact that Jesus told them that his soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And of course, we all know that Jesus had to keep on waking up these three guys. Matthew. Matthew's account was so amazing. The thing is, in my mind, we are Christians today, for those of us here who are Christians, not only because of the events that occurred on Good Friday and Easter Sunday, but also because of what took place on Monday, Thursday, in the Garden of Gethsemane. In fact, I strongly believe that there would have been neither death nor Jesus' resurrection if Jesus hadn't made sacrifices in the Garden that night. What does it mean to sacrifice? The Oxford Dictionary says it's an act of giving up something that is valuable for the sake of something else that's regarded as more important or worthy. Three times in the garden, Jesus had to make huge sacrifices before he made the ultimate sacrifice of dying on the cross. But if he didn't make these three sacrifices in the garden we would not be here today. We would not have the hope that we have this morning. Amen? First of all, in the garden, Jesus was overwhelmed with sorrow. Yet, he kept on praying. The garden was a very peaceful and familiar place to Jesus and his disciples. They had regular relaxing times on the Mount of Olives, multiple teaching sessions, and sometimes Jesus spent the night there. But that night was different. There was total anguish and a major battle between a desire to obey his father versus his desire to not go through with it at all. In a sense, Jesus was saying, I don't want to do this. I can't do it in my own strength. I know I am your son, and I know that I am God, and I know that we were 
together from the beginning of time. But this is so, so much agony, I can't do it. And this internal battle was so intense that Jesus sweated blood. It's a very rare disorder called hematidrosis, an extremely rare condition characterized by the sweating of blood. And this typically occurs when someone is facing death, whether it's by execution or otherwise, or any other highly stressful conditions. And Leonardo da Vinci wrote about soldiers sweating blood just before the time of battle. The battle was also, that eternal battle within Christ's mind and his, and his spirit was so intense that his father had to send an angel to strengthen him. And although the angel gives him the strength to carry on, Jesus was still in anguish with great fear and anxiety. That night was so, so important. The battle was painful, but was won. Thankfully, the battle was won in that garden that night when Jesus was on his knees praying with a bloody sweat um, you know, dripping from his body. Jesus made that sacrifice that night. Despite the anguish, he remained faithful and he kept on praying. His prayer was almost repetitive. Actually, it was repetitive. Three times he said, Father, take this cup away from me. If you are willing, please don't let me die this awful death. Yet not my will, but to yours be done. So the first lesson here is that we should model Jesus' behavior when we are overwhelmed with sorrow or grief or pain. And we should keep on praying without ceasing, even if it's repetitive. Keep on praying. The second sacrifice that Jesus made in the garden was when he felt his father abandoned him. What was his response? He remained faithful. He prayed three times to his father, asked him to take away the cup if it's his will. Yet his father didn't respond. Lord, where are you? Did you not hear me? How many times do we pray and we don't hear back from God and we think that we are abandoned? But I'm here to remind us all that in the midst of God's silence, it doesn't mean that we are abandoned. He's there with us in the midst, in the midst of our trials, in, in the midst of our challenges. He's right there with us. And so the lesson here is that even if heaven is silent, when we pray, we must remain faithful to God and keep on doing 
his will. Focus on his promises to us, both in the Bible and what he has told us directly. And while we're waiting for answered prayer, God honors our sacrifice of praise and worship to him. There's one of the songs we're going to sing out today about raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. In other words, I keep on singing and I keep on worshiping God in the midst of my chaos, in the midst of my agony, in the midst of my tears. I will raise a hallelujah. I will sacrifice. I will sacrifice and I will give my praises and worship to God. And true worship and praise is really when we have to sacrifice it. And that is really when God listens and God hears and He responds. It is easy to praise God when we're, when we're on a high, right? When everything is going well. But how do we respond when everything isn't going so well? A sacrifice of praise. And then the third sacrifice that Jesus made was when his friends abandoned him. Have you ever felt abandoned by your friends, by your neighbors, or disappointed in, in, in how they respond, or they didn't support you, or they didn't do something that you expected them to do, or whatever? I've been there so many, too many times to tell. And it's painful. Three times Jesus had to wake up Peter James and John. He told them at the outset. And if someone said this to me, and if this was a close friend of mine, and we've been walking for so many years together, I know what I would do. He told them at the outset that his soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And yet still, they couldn't stay awake. Of course, it was after supper, probably a little bit of, you know, probably too much wine or something, probably not, who knows. But you would have thought that his closest friends would have sacrificed their sleep and stayed up and prayed for him during this time of severe distress. He told them. He didn't just say, I was, I'm just going over there um, in that corner to pray. He told them that his soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. My natural response <laughs> would have been, okay, I'm, I'm just going to sit next to you and I'm going to pray with you. But no, they didn't do that. They weren't there at all for him. He needed them to stay awake in prayer, but he didn't allow his disappointment to stop him from returning to the place of prayer. So the lesson here is, of course, if we focus on your disappointments, especially in people, <laughs> they appear even bigger, right? The problem is there and those disappointments and they're just focusing on them. How could you have just left me and abandoned me? And if you focus on your disappointments, you'll really find 
it, it difficult to make a sacrifice of praise. But we must remember, I know it's hard, but to make a sacrifice of praise is praising God irrespective of our circumstances. If it weren't for the sacrificial, persistent prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane that night, Jesus wouldn't have been able to withstand the shame and the treachery of the crucifixion. So finally, a call to action for us all. This Easter Sunday, remember the amazing resurrection as a result of the lifelong sacrifices that Jesus made. If it weren't for the Garden of Gethsemane, there would not have been a crucifixion or a resurrection. That was a key, key moment. His father, of course, was very pleased with him. And so we too should make sacrifices that please God. Romans 12, verses 1 to 2, Martin, just to finish. Paul's letter to the Romans, he describes what these sacrifices look like. A living sacrifice. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, i.e. Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. You see, God wants us to sacrifice our lives. Everything that we do, every single thing that we do, and of course, it's difficult, I know. We all know this. But everything that we do should honor God. Our time, our ambitions, our possessions, what we listen to, how we entertain ourselves, what we say, everything, as well as our mind, our emotions, and our attitudes. And Paul's description of a living sacrifice right here in Romans also reminds us that we have to continually, it's not just a one-off thing, we have to continually offer our lives as a sacrifice to God. Eugene Patterson um, translates the, the, especially the verse, first verse here in Romans 12 in the message translation of the Bible. It says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. In Old Testament times, a living sacrifice would be a contradiction of terms. A sacrifice can't be living, right? You have to kill the sacrifice in order for it to be a sacrifice. The whole point of the sacrifice was that it was killed. 
but our act of worship is no longer to bring a sacrifice to God, but to be the sacrifice ourselves. We remain living. Our sacrifice is our entire lives that is being offered to God. Worshiping God, raising a hallelujah, is about praising God in our everyday lives with what we say and what we do and how we think and the places that we go. And God wants us to remain faithful in stressful situations. So finally, how will you respond this Easter Sunday? How will you respond when you're overwhelmed with grief and sorrow? Or when you're overwhelmed with disappointment? Abandonment by your friends or family? Or overwhelmed with your own disappointment in God? For unanswered prayer for how many years? So maybe you've been praying for, for family or friends to be saved. And you haven't seen it yet. But it will happen. Remain faithful in prayer. God wants us to sacrifice our natural tendencies to do what the world would normally do. The world would just give up and say, yeah, whatever, forget about this. Forget about this Christianity thing, this God thing, whatever. But it's all about a relationship and God remains faithful. So let us pray continuously and do the right thing. Then God will reveal to us what his good, pleasing and perfect will is in our relevant and personal circumstances. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, this Easter Sunday, we remember the wonderful sacrifice, sacrifices that you made, but ultimately you gave your life for us through your Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross well documented all over the place. But Father, we thank you that in our own personal circumstances we can remember that you demand of us to offer our own lives as a living sacrifice to you. And what that means, we need to continuously work that out in our own minds, in our own spirits. But Father, help us to remember that you are thrilled and you are amazed and you love us despite everything. But when we offer, offer our lives as a sacrifice to you, our gifts, our talents, everything that we have, you just dwell in it and you love it. It's like a sweet-smelling incense to your nostrils we love you Father we, we thank you for our own personal circumstances today whatever they are whatever they may be good, bad the ugly, the indifferent Father take the little that we have in our own lives 
as we sacrifice them to you. Make them grand, O oh God. Convert them, translate them. We give you thanks, O oh God, for, 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 for the ultimate sacrifice that you made. You are amazing, you are wonderful, and we love you so much. Amen.